This is a reading from Isaiah chapter 43, beginning in verse 1. And uh, due to the birth-like imagery in this text, I will be using feminine pronouns for God. Thus says the Lord, she who created you, O Jacob, she who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. This is one of our sacred stories. Thanks be to God. This passage from Isaiah has long been one of my favorite scriptures. I think if I were to tattoo any part of the Bible on my body, I'm not going to, but if I did, it might be this. Thus says the Lord, she who formed you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be consumed. The flames will not burn you. It's hard to explain how and why it has meant so much to me through the decades, especially since faith itself has changed so much for me. Therefore, so has the meaning of this text. So how do I fit 20 years of loving this passage into one 20-minute sermon? Especially if I don't preach for 20 minutes. I think what first captured me about these verses was the sheer power of the poetry and the promise. There was this deep comfort in hearing that the God who made me would always be with me no matter what trials life brought. But there's more. The rest of Isaiah chapter 43 reminds us that water imagery is prominent throughout the Israelite story. God delivered God's people through the Red Sea. God provided water in the wilderness. In verse 16 and 17, you can hear Isaiah remembering the Exodus. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. In verse 18 through 20, Isaiah looks ahead to what God will do. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? But Isaiah imagines the future by remembering God's deliverance in the past, taking care of the needs of the people in the wilderness wanderings. Quote, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to drink for my chosen people. So much mention of water. And then on today, on a day like today, when we are observing the baptism of Christ, water reminds us also of baptism. But these days, baptisms are relatively mild. There is often an indoor baptistry with preheated water, like what we have here. 
At Lakeshore, the most daring bit about it is that sometimes Gordon has to fish bugs out of the water early on a Sunday morning before the rest of you arrive for a baptism. But that's about as exciting as it gets. I think perhaps we miss something when our baptisms are so tame. In the old days, they baptized in rivers. Cold, rushing, unpredictable rivers. There were bugs in that water for sure and fish, and snakes, and who knows what else. There was definitely no such thing as sprinkling. You were immersed. Oh, and also you were naked. That's right, the early church baptized people in the nude. Now, I don't think John the Baptist baptized in the nude. That tradition came later. But eventually, part of the ritual of baptism was stripping down to your birthday suit and saying, Lord, here I am. So I would say there are some parts of the tradition I am relieved we don't practice anymore. <laughs> but the river part, the river part still intrigues me. I mean, as a person who does the baptizing, don't get me wrong, I prefer safe, warm water if my own self is getting in there. But theoretically, as an idea, I like the river. The river reminds me that this entrance into the Christian life isn't always tranquil. It is a gift of grace, yes, but also it is a calling, and callings don't always take you into easy places where you want to go. Faith is more river rapids than lazy river, more ocean wave than kiddie pool. It's not just that God will be with you when life is inevitably hard. It's also sort of like God is calling you into the turbulent waters, but promises to be there every step of the way. Things might be easier if you stayed put, but that's not the way calling works. Calling beckons you out into the unknown and murky waters. When the Israelites left slavery in Egypt, they had to cross the Red Sea and the wilderness. The calling took them through tough stuff. And do you remember how much they complained about it? Woe is we, if only we had stayed in Egypt. Spiritual growth is often like that. You'll be tempted to go back, to return to the familiarity and predictability of your own oppression. Or to put it another way, spiritual growth is a little like being born. Before you pass through the birth canal, you're safe and warm, and there's nothing much to trouble you. But once you come out on the other side, into the re you have this real world to deal with. Better to have stayed inside, right? But not really. Most of us want to actually live outside the womb, experience the world, even if we are vulnerable to its disappointments and hardships. It is fascinating, isn't it, that even Jesus got baptized. I used to hear his baptism sort of explained away. Jesus did it as an example to us because Jesus didn't really like need baptism, right? He was already the son of God. He didn't have to get dunked in water to prove it. But I think maybe he did need it. He was human too, right? He came out of that river and headed straight for the wilderness, just like the Israelites. Only he was a little luckier than them and only had to wander 40 days instead of 40 years. But the way the story is told, it's like the baptism sets him up for the wilderness. 
It's his birth canal into the real world of being the Messiah. Before that, maybe it wasn't so tough being the son of God in a human body. But at the edge of the Jordan, Jesus accepted his calling and waded right into whatever God had in store. Even Jesus needed the cold river slap of courage to wake him up and set him on his way. I like thinking that even Jesus needed rituals and markers along the way to sustain him. I like thinking of Jesus with river mud squishing between his toes as he approached the water. I like thinking of his sharp intake of breath as the cold water reached his thighs, his stomach. I like wondering if Jesus had to plug his nose before he went under. And whether when he came up from the water did he use his hands to push back his wet hair and get the water from his eyes. Usually when we talk about Jesus' baptism, we talk about the, the supernatural parts, right? The voice that came from heaven, the spirit descending like a dove. But today I'm talking about the messy, wild river parts. Because that is more like what we experience when we attempt to follow Jesus. Like, maybe every once in a while, one or two of us hear a voice from heaven, maybe. But mostly, we find ourselves sitting on the banks, getting the mud out from between our toes, and wondering what on earth we just signed up for. And thinking about how our sandals are going to squish squash all the way home because we forgot to bring a, dry, a towel to dry off our feet. And worrying whether our hair will air dry in a way that doesn't look ridiculous. I mean, did Jesus think to bring an extra set of dry clothes? Or did his clothes hang heavy, dripping all the way into the wilderness? Did the desert sand stick to his sandals because his feet were still wet? And isn't that the worst feeling, sand in your shoes? I mean, forget tempting Jesus with all the kingdoms of the world or whatever. If I were the devil, I would have tempted him with a pair of dry shoes in a magical sand-sucking vacuum. <laughs> My point is, we so often point to Jesus' baptism as the sign that he was special, marked by God, divine. And all that is true. But also, Jesus' baptism marks him as human. It initiates him into the vulnerabilities of wandering the wilderness of faith. When entering the waters of baptism, Jesus is so like us, exposed to the turbulence of life and the challenges of faith. And yes, there is this voice from heaven at his baptism that says, this is my son, the beloved, in him I am well pleased, which is pretty cool. But the voice reminds me of those lines from the prophet Isaiah spoken to the whole people of Israel. Thus says the Lord, she who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, I have called you by name, you are mine. Jesus wasn't the first person God named as beloved. Jesus wasn't even the first person John baptized. He was one among many. The Gospel of Luke says, now when all the people were baptized, and Jesus also had been baptized. Isn't that interesting? Jesus didn't start the practice of baptism. He joined in what the people of God were already doing, and determined he needed a good dunk in the river too. We so often talk of following Jesus, and I like that language. 
But there's also this sense in the biblical narrative that Jesus joined a story that was already unfolding in order to walk alongside us. Not so much walking out ahead of us, but side by side with us, walking where we walk, living as we live. It gives a whole new meaning to the words, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Literally, concretely, God will be with you as demonstrated in the person of Christ who walked where you walked and waded where you wade. I'm not so sure Jesus got baptized as an example for us to follow, but as a sign that he was entering the waters with us, ready to take the plunge, self-determined not to leave us to face things alone. This path we are on to be lovers of God and lovers of God's good earth is a difficult one, full of trials and temptations. If the journey of faith has been easy for you, you're probably doing it wrong. I think it's a safe bet to say most of you, or all of you, have struggled. Maybe you are struggling now. Maybe your current problems are the pesky, mundane ones that build and build until you crash. Maybe you've got one great big crisis like a tsunami wave towering over you. But whatever your struggle, no matter the size, be it past, present, or future, hear now these words from the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, she who created you, O Jacob. Insert your own name there if you want to. She who created you. He who formed you, O Israel. Do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior.